But you know what? I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just meant depressed, all right? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here. I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is. Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas's idiot brother. Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life... Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Give Us a Second, a mini-sode series brought to you by the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is our 55th mini-sode, and this week we're discussing Barbie and Oppenheimer. 55th, and the first one in quite some time. Yeah. That was part of the plan this year. We're going to- Dial it back. Less is more. No. We're going to get back into it. I think most of the rest of the months we'll probably do them, but we wanted to take a little bit of a break because we were doing so many regular episodes. But of course we have to talk about Barbenheimer. It's definitely huge event, top priority of the summer. Probably the last time we'll ever go to the movies, but we did it. <laughs> we're going out in style with a big double feature. <laughs> well, it might be the last time we go down to that theater. Although I had uh, yeah. a, enough of a positive experience where I was thinking... Maybe I don't want to keep my AMC stubs, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't mind going down there as long as it's still a theater for yeah. the next year or two, just every couple of months, maybe. I, I don't know. Did, uh, I did cancel my AMC stubs the following morning, and <laughs> it was tough. There was a little bit of a moment, you know? I have not canceled mine yet. But End of an era. Anyway, before we jump into Barbie and Oppenheimer, as always, follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. I know it's not really called Twitter anymore. I doubt I'm ever going to tweet again. <laughs> it seems completely stupid to even waste time with it now. But if you'd like to reach us, send us an email, <laughs> greatestpod at gmail.com. We're going off the grid. <laughs> Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Podbean has us. That's where we're hosted. Whatever. Several other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we don't even know about. <laughs> Other than when we Google the show, it's like, oh, we're on this thing. Somehow. Every once in a while, you, you'll just see that an episode was posted on a Reddit thread. <laughs> that has like, happened. Can this be? Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby. As always, reach out to us via email for stickers, listener requests, any questions, comments, concerns. We're not going to read an email on this mini-sode, but send us an email. We'd love to read them on the show. We're not going to get too crazy with this. We're going to keep it nice and short. And I'd like to say that we're probably not going to spoil anything too major if we can, but there will be some spoilers. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give everything. These movies are brand new, and some people may not have seen them, so they might not want to have every single thing. I'm trying to think like what can be a spoiler. In Oppenheimer, I don't know if this is news to people. (laughs) The atomic bomb did go off. (laughs) That did happen. Oppenheimer would be less easy to spoil Yeah, because it's history. Well- I will say it was somewhat spoiled for me during our intermission because I didn't know any of the communist stuff. Oh. Uh, and Lindsay's brother dropped that bomb on me. <laughs> <laughs> that atomic bomb. Yeah. Before we launch into Barbie and Oppenheimer, I'd just like to go back. And this isn't really as much of a correction corner as it is a clarification corner on a couple of things from the Zodiac episode. There was actually a lot of stuff we missed and a lot of stuff that we said that probably could have been better clarified. I oh. blame myself. We were racing through it, yeah. and it was long enough. <laughs> Far too long, really. And when we got to the end, we were running out of gas pretty quick. So it didn't really make sense to spend a ton of time 
talking about the other suspects besides the one that's featured in the film, Arthur Lee Allen. But as I was listening to it, I realized I should have at least mentioned what happened in 2019 because Hmm. some people have really taken this on as a big suspect, and we never mentioned his name. I read through all of this even before we did the episode, and I kind of dismissed it because law enforcement isn't really buying it. I didn't really love their conclusions either. But in 2019, this group called Case Breakers worked on it, and they identified this suspect named Gary F. Post, who I believe died in 2018. It seems very likely that Gary F. Post was a fucked up dude who may have murdered people, but I didn't read anything in there that convinced me that he was actually the Zodiac Killer, but it's become like a thing, and there was even renewed interest this past year. So four years later, it's still kind of a name, and he's kind of now considered the second most likely suspect by some people. Other people have dismissed him out of hand. Okay. The only reason I felt like we should have mentioned it is because it just happened a few years ago and it's kind of become like a new thing. That's fair. Good clarification. But to be fair to us, we were doing Zodiac the movie, not an episode on the Zodiac killer. Right. I think people know that and understand that. Okay. But we did kind of give our opinions a little bit that we just assumed Arthur Lee Allen had to be it. But that uh-huh. was also kind of tongue-in-cheek because of the well, movie. Well, I think I said on the episode, I only know what the movie has told me. <laughs> right. I yeah. think our listeners understand, but yeah, wanted to mention that. And then also, I kind of casually just threw out there that a lot of horror movies would have been based on the Zodiac, and that's probably true. But we were talking about The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Mm-hmm. And I know that the town that dreaded sundown is based on something else, and yet I just sort of was like, yeah, maybe they, whatever. There was a true life story called the Texarkana Moonlight Murders that happened in the 40s, which is what that movie's loosely based on. Yeah, right. A guy who attacked couples in cars. Uh Now, could that have been the Zodiac working (laughs) in that Texarkana area? Maybe. I don't know. He could have lived in the 40s, too. Multi-generational, yeah. Well... That one guy thought his sure. dad killed the Black Dahlia in the 40s. Yeah, that's right. And then right. was also the Zodiac. So whatever. I knew that yeah. it was based on something else, and we were just kind of loosely talking. And then when I listened back to it, it did kind of sound like I was saying that the town that dreaded Sundown was definitely based on the Zodiac, which it's definitely not. No, but there was some shadows of it. Yeah, in, there's, it's, aesthetically movie, it's similar, yeah. which is why whenever I was right. looking at it, I was like, well, did anyone ever think this could have been the same person? Because he attacked <laughs> couples in cars. Yeah. I don't know. Are you going to put in the notes for this episode that there's some editor's notes on the Zodiac episode for this? Or I is it know. just a surprise if people Why? listen? Do you um, think should? Well, yeah, I think so. Because I don't think that people always listen to these. Give us a second. If you look at the download numbers. <laughs> well, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. That way, if anybody ever tweets at us yeah, yeah. or sends an email and says, hey, what about this? We can say, well, we did address it eventually in a give us a second. Yeah. Go give us another download to listen. All right, let's get into the movie event of the summer, which I was definitely not expecting it to be as big as it was when I first heard that these movies were going to be released on the same day, whatever that was, like last year or whenever. You've definitely been going on and on about how everything's over and Top Gun Maverick was just a (laughs) one-off, and here we are. I mean, a little bit of a hit here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Making some waves. Yeah, I did not expect Barbie to be this big of a hit. Uh-huh. I would have never imagined. Even if this movie came out in 1995, anything, <laughs> when Barbie was still big. Know. There's something about anything that can become memeable on the internet. That's true. It can catch on. But it's strange. And the fact that this movie also has become 
a part of the endless culture war that we always have to deal with and reckon with now oh, or yeah. that whatever that QAnon movie or whatever that was that came out recently that was number one at the box office that some people were like, oh, Hollywood doesn't want us to see it. And it's like, what are you talking about? They made it. I- <laughs> we're being blocked from the theaters. No, churches are buying up all the tickets and trying to get their congregations to go. That's why it's sold out and no one's there. Yeah, That's happened plenty of times. I love anyway. when people start going down these theories that anything is about anything else except for money. That's <laughs> what everything is about, guys. Anyway, yeah, Barbie's become this whole thing with a lot of the right-wing people or Ben Shapiro or ever throwing tantrums about it. So I was expecting something to be even more in that vein of very, very liberal, quote-unquote, woke, whatever that means these days. And... It certainly is, and it certainly leans pretty far liberal most of the time, but I also think it goofs on liberals as well. Yeah. But anyway, to tie it back in, okay. this huge weekend happened. Were you expecting this at all? I think so. I think as out of touch as I am, <laughs> the internet buzz even reached me. I guess mostly because Lindsay's spent a lot of time talking about it, and she's been watching all these YouTube videos with interviews with people, and there just seemed to be a lot of buzz. Yeah, that's true. I will say that probably in the... In the few days leading up to yeah. it, I was starting to think, yeah, this is actually going to be a big thing now. And I guess we should jump right into it. Let's talk about Barbie first, since that's what we saw first. Yeah. Barbie is directed by Greta Gerwig. I believe this is her third feature after Lady Bird and Little Women. Mm-hmm. It was written by Greta Gerwig and her husband or partner, I'm not sure if they're married, Noah Baumbach. I almost fell out of my chair when I saw the budget. I thought this was like a $30 million movie. The budget was between 128 and 145 million. Holy! I don't understand what they spent the money on. I thought you were going to say like 80 million, maybe as a surprise. I didn't realize it was over 100 million because it looked like they actually intentionally cheaped out on special effects as a joke. Yeah, it seemed like all fake or something. I don't know the marketing campaign. I would believe, although there's got to be a lot of money tied up in this cast. That's true. I think Margot Robbie is going to be very rich because of this movie. Good I think because she's a producer and she probably has some sort of a percentage on it. The box office already is at 344 million worldwide. It's a massive hit, which is a huge blessing for Robbie who has been in yeah. need of a hit and now she's going to be a huge star for the next 10 years because this is a monster movie. She has definitely worked her filmography is pretty busy. Well, over the past few years, she's the most gorgeous woman on the planet. That, that does helps. help. Yeah, and she seems cool, for like, sure. Yeah, Barbie, in addition to Robbie, stars Ryan Gosling as Ken, America Ferrara, Michael Sarah, Ariana Greenblatt, Simu Liu. Is that how you say his name? The guy from the Shang Chi. Mm, I don't know. It's not that. I'm butchering his name on purpose. I've never heard it said out loud. I, there's a lot of people's names I've never heard yeah, actually yeah. said out loud. In this cast. Issa Rae, Rhea, Rhea Perlman, Will Ferrell, and Helen Mirren as the narrator. I'll let you give your thoughts overall on the film. Okay. I felt that the first 15 minutes or so, it seemed like the trailers regurgitated. How much of this material made it into the trailers and internet videos? Because I've feel like i've seen all of this so it wasn't really feeling fresh or interesting to me out of the gate i think part of that was probably trying to 
conceal what the plot was yes, going to be. Yes, which because they when did she do a good job into of. the whole existential yeah. thing, I right. was like, oh, I didn't expect it to be that. So once you start getting to the middle chunk of the film, and look, there was a lot of parts of it that I didn't really like in the movie overall. But when it's good, it's great. <laughs> and I loved a big chunk of the middle and then found the finish to be a little bit weird. The tone jumping wasn't always landing. Right. Um, although I, I did enjoy the, the joke that they ended the movie on right before the credits. But Right, um, yeah. The last yeah. joke is, is fine. But yeah, the ending in general is kind of a little cheesy. But I agree with you about the beginning. I hated it even more. Yeah. I would be even harder. I was like, You were oh, going to walk no. out. <laughs> I did say to you I might go wait outside. And I was only half kidding because it had that very, I don't know what the right word is, but the audience was laughing. Yeah. I won't But at jokes they'd already seen. No doubt. The stuff that was hits, I'm like, this is the stuff that's in the trailers. Well, it's not just that it was in the trailers. It was not funny. Yeah. I didn't think anything in the first like 15 to 25 minutes was funny at all. And I was getting nervous that this level of comedy was now going to be what people thought was funny because people were laughing. Unlike Booksmart, yeah. which we've talked about. So I don't want people to think that I just am ignoring what the audience is doing and acting like I'm the only voice Unlike that matters. <laughs> well, no, because I've often referenced yeah. that people acted like Booksmart was so funny, but we had, we were there opening night and no one was laughing. Yeah. People were laughing at Barbie, now, but I, think what helped... I didn't agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I think really helped this movie is having an audience that wanted to like it. So I think that was helping with the laughs in the beginning. Sure, yeah. I do think people were going in wanting to like this, which always helps. Right. I think that the middle portion that we both loved a lot and thought was funny, you have to give a lot of the credit to Ryan Gosling, whose comedic chops, I would say, it's hard to say he's funnier than he was in The Nice Guys, but it, he just keeps proving that he's capable of a lot of different things Definitely. in film. And he doesn't take himself too seriously. Not only because that's the whole point of the movie is that it's all about Barbie and never right. about him, but also he gets to be goofy in a way that I think some actors, men, wouldn't want to do because they would think that it would ruin their chances. Makes them look silly. To be in other things. It's yeah. sort of hard to picture DiCaprio doing something like that. No, but he's never really done any yeah. comedic roles. He's been funny, like Rick Dalton is funny, but not in the same way where it's right. trying so hard yeah, to be yeah, funny. Yeah. In addition to Gosling, Michael Sarah is very funny. Oh my gosh. There's one scene with him that <laughs> is like completely surprising that had me losing it. Yeah, because he plays mostly a superfluous character that you don't really even know the point of. Yeah. But then he does have that one moment where you're like, what is going on now? <laughs> Kate McKinnon was very funny. Oh yeah. The weird Barbie stuff was great because yeah. I think that's something that everyone Release. I there's definitely parts of this movies that are this movie that I think girls with a pass with Barbie like there were jokes just for them. Oh, for sure. But yeah. the weird Barbie thing, right? Everyone has like a kid memory of being involved in something like that. I don't know. There's just one of those moments for every kid. Mattel allowed Gerwig and subsequently Bombback to have full creative control essentially, and it was a gamble because they knew from her script mm -hmm. that they were going to look bad too that they were going to address some of their missteps not just the stupid toys they've offered but oh, just yeah. the the criticisms that the, the unfair standards of beauty the way that oh sure barbie right. has maybe affected the minds of young girls and what they need to look like and all those different things. <laughs> unrealistic body image right so they address all that stuff too while also 
propping Barbie up as some kind of a feminist icon. So it works wonders for Mattel. They have to be pinching themselves. This is a dream because it allows them to say, hey, yeah, we know about this, but we're repositioning ourselves heading into the future as if Barbie has always been this top-notch feminist icon. And that's kind of the dichotomy of the toy because everything in the movie is kind of accurate. Totally. Barbie is the hottest chick on the planet, yeah. but she also is capable of doing any job and is super smart, yeah. super popular, super athletic, everything. Uh-huh. Can, can do anything. So it's it's both. Gerwig and Bombach's script, I think, allow that to happen. Now, look, are the stakes really that meaningful in the movie? Not really. I thought the stuff with America Ferrara and her daughter, was, that stuff was fine. Yeah. But it was good to see America Ferrara, though. I, I can't remember the last time I saw her in something at this point. And they let her have the monologue of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is surprising because Robbie is the star mm-hmm. and she's the producer. <laughs> but her and Gerwig and everyone, they allow a different person to have this big speech that I think is also a big lightning rod for people that hate women or whatever <laughs> whatever the anger is even like that's yeah. the thing like I, I don't even relate to like what they get upset about in these movies because i'm kind of like what what do you think then the yeah, women are not allowed to do certain jobs or well, i don't understand like what just tell me what your point is don't just use buzzwords to say you're outraged by a movie tell me exactly well, what the, the thing, what you know? want yeah but they won't say it because they know how horrible it actually sounds <laughs> they think ba- women should just have babies and shut the fuck up that's really what they say i mean that's why they get so mad at this kind of stuff. How dare they act like women should be equal? <laughs> I don't know. That's what it is, really. But I don't know what drives these dudes. The thing that gets so infuriating, though, is... And we've meant, talked about this plenty of times oh. on the show with other movies, is you end up feeling like you have to like it because now you don't want to be on the other side of a culture war. Because you don't want to be on the misogynist asshole side. So yeah. you kind of have to not be as critical as you might want to be because then it, you start being painted with that brush. Yeah. And that's why the culture war sucks. Everything should just be judged as it is. I've tried to always give my opinion of a movie on its own. Now it's a little bit easier for me since I'm not really aware of what right. people are saying. But yeah. I do have that yeah rush to defend something if it's getting attacked. But I don't know. I think it was easy to call out what I didn't like about this movie and easy to praise what I liked about it. Right. I think that for me, it's probably about a three star out of five, yeah. something like that. I gave it a 3.5, so we're, I liked it slightly more than you. I couldn't go that high because yeah. there's movies I've given 3.5s to that you like don't winning. have beginnings that where I'm thinking yeah. of walking out of the theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really all we'll say about it right. because I don't want to get into the plot stuff too much. The plot at times is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't what I was expecting. I don't know that it, they completely land everything. No. And well, it is it is heavy handed, but it's not so heavy handed that it's annoying. I thought. Well, yeah, it's heavy handed to people who are above the age of 20, but it's subtle enough for people who are younger to sort of be able to take the message right. easier, I guess. Not or not take it easier, but understand it easier. Okay. Props to the Matchbox Twenty stuff. Definitely. I don't won't spoil what yeah, it is, yeah. but it's great. That that really <laughs> was a huge pop from the crowd. <laughs> Let's move on to Oppenheimer, which we had to wait 
basically three hours after Barbie <laughs> ended to see. Had a fun little intermission where we were drinking like special Barbie drinks. Yeah, everyone was really embracing it. You ordered some sort of Malibu cocktail, had like one sip of it, and we're just like, no. It was called Barbie Dreamhouse. It was yeah. so disgusting. <laughs> I hated it. It looked like Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> it didn't taste like it. It tasted no. worse. I think it was like coconut, and I don't like coconut. I don't know. Okay. Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's latest film. He wrote the screenplay and directed it based on The American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin which is a book from 2005. Just like Barbie, who went through many iterations, we didn't even touch on it, 2009, Barbie's been in pre-production. It's gone through Amy Schumer, Anne Hathaway. At one point, they hired Diablo Cody to try to write it. She failed. She admitted she failed. She came out with that recently, saying she just couldn't do it. She couldn't figure out what to do. It's gone through a lot. Oppenheimer is kind of the same. It was optioned for a movie a long time ago. It went through a lot of different people, and eventually it interested Nolan to acquire the rights and then write a new screenplay for himself. Probably good for anyone that wanted to get this movie made because it was always going to be... The material is not the most palatable for mainstream audiences, so the fact that Nolan is a guy coming to get behind it, he can kind of make a big movie about dark material right, and have it be a hit. Yeah, it's really unlikely that another filmmaker, other than maybe a select few, would have been able to get this kind of budget, this kind of cast, this kind of patience. And this is all in the process of Nolan leaving Warner Brothers because he doesn't like what's going on with the streaming stuff. And he shops around to different studios. He finds somebody who will work with him the way he wants to, which was Universal, which guaranteed him a 90 to 120 day theatrical window before it's on streaming. And all these other things. He has a huge change because every other. Oh, yeah. Uh, after Memento, I think everything else he did was through Warner Brothers. Man, so, how do you give up a golden ticket like that? Everybody's pivoting to streaming, or yeah. at least they were. And now I think some people are kind of second guessing what to do now. But he ends up there. The cast is nuts. I didn't even write it down. There's so many oh, people dude, in this movie. I well, I was telling you, like, when we walked out, I was like, I cannot believe. I mean, he has a big monologue that's kind of crucial to the end of the movie but when i was seeing rami malik in it just sporadically with like two lines well there's i'm like several this... best actor winners yeah. that have tiny parts I'm in like, this movie th- th- this is a guy that like you would think is going for like the lead of a movie like this you know well out of the last decade of best actor yeah you have casey affleck uh-huh. has a small part right. rami malik has a small part and gary oldman has a small definitely part. And so. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> yeah, the other best actor. <laughs> but I was happy to see him pop up. Yeah, he's kind of having that Brendan Fraser renaissance right yeah. now where he's all of a sudden popping up in things. You're like, where's this dude been? Well, Nolan is always good at filling out the cast with recognizable faces. People are like, oh, yeah, haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, and there's people he's worked with before who yeah. pop up in this, like Matthew Modine and a few of those people. Well, Killian Murphy's like the king. Of, well, yeah. <laughs> but it's a surprise to see him in a lead role like this. I mean, he knocked it out of the park, but he's been sort of a bit player. I know he's Peaky Blinders and people love him on that, but in terms of features, yeah, he hasn't been much of a leading man in the past 15 years. Or ever, really. Yeah, well, some of the Danny Boyle hit a little. That's different. Okay. <laughs> you can't really compare yeah. a movie the size of 28 Days Later to right. this, at least in terms of expectations and budget but, and I all mean, those things. We're jumping all over the place, but I think we're talking specifically about the actors the performances of this movie are off the chart yeah 
Emily Blunt mostly thankless role through most of it, and then absolutely like hilarious the hit of the awesome. movie in the last yeah, like the final act. Matt Damon was hilarious. Yep. Unbelievable. Matt Damon's a guy who kind of just always plays that same version. I know. And it always is great. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't disappear into parts like Oldman or right. Murphy or a lot of the other people in the movie. And he's Look, I, you know, everyone has their differences in who they think is better. He's n- probably not even as good of an actor as his buddy Casey Affleck, but he's always what you end up liking. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> just, just got works. a certain charisma. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It jumps around in time. It covers not several big moments in Oppenheimer's life and then how they all sort of tie together. I don't really want to get into all of the specifics of the plot, but it ends up feeling like a lot of different things at once yeah. and it, i think that that's cool because it allows you room to form your own opinions about not only the man oppenheimer uh-huh. but what happened and whether or not you can believe in the idea that america had to do this mm-hmm. or if that was all a lie we don't really know i guess i think by now you would have to have nuclear weapons but at the time the whole point was justifying what they were doing by saying, well, if we don't do it now, they'll do it, and then we will be the ones hit with the bomb. And then once Germany's defeated, then they do sort of manipulate Oppenheimer, I guess, and the rest of the people working on it to say that they have to do it to Japan, but then he finds out later, like, well, maybe they were going to surrender after all. Maybe they were already defeated. Yeah. Well, I thought that the movie did a great job of hitting a point that we talk about a lot, but I think this is part of the overall theme, which is just that like life is not in the black and white and it's heavily in the gray. Yeah. And I think that's like what this whole movie is and who you're siding with. I don't think it matters. You just see the good and the bad and some people are trying to do their best despite not having maybe all the information and then they live with the consequences of that. Oppenheimer, we see some of his personal life past, which really wouldn't play into the main plot, but I think it's just that this is a complicated dude involved in this complicated world. Yeah. I saw something today that was kind of infuriating. It kind of it's already sort of reminding me of the fallout post Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where all of a sudden these articles are coming out and you're rolling your eyes constantly. There was a multi tweet thread about how the performances are strong and all this blah 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 but it's the wrong story and then they have to tell you how they should have done this about the (laughs) victims and all this this isn't about Hiroshima and Nagasaki that's not what this movie's about do I think that there is a version of this story from that perspective to tell definitely yeah but that's not what this is you can't just say it's the wrong story it's a different story yeah this is more a movie about Oppenheimer and what he went through, and then what happened. This is not a movie about World War II or the fallout from dropping nuclear bombs totally. on a country. That's a different movie, and anybody is free to make that movie. I think it's insane when people act like other people need to make it the way they want it. Yeah, It's a free world. You get your own money and make your own movie. Do whatever you want. Right. <laughs> I mean, what's stopping you? Yeah, just get $100 million. It's so million easy dollars. to tell someone else how to make a movie the way you want it to be made, then just do it. Yeah. Maybe or Warner Brothers is interested in your story. <laughs> It'll go straight to uh, HBO Max or yeah. whatever. <laughs> or Max. One thing that I wanted to say about the movie, though, for Christopher Nolan, I really thought that this was diving into a little bit more, I don't know how to say it, 
this movie kind of reminded me of There Will Be Blood in a way, where I didn't think he really had a movie like that in him. Yeah, it's bringing his style to it. Yeah. It's very, the score, the way it's shot, and the way it looks, it all is very Nolan, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I thought the score was incredible. So he's had some great scores, a couple Hans Zimmer ones. I've actually like listened to the Dark Knight Rises score, listened to the Interstellar score. I don't know that I'll just put this one on because I don't think that there's any one number that would be something that I would just listen to, but the experience of the movie, yeah. I mean, the score really brought it together. Yeah, for sure. The sound mixing was definitely better than Tenet, although there oh, was sure. times where some of the dialogue was a little lost to me because everyone's speaking in accents, and the surrounding sound is very loud. So I did miss some dialogue, but not a ton. It wasn't like quite like Tenet. Right. But it's also crazy to me that people had such a big thing about Florence Pugh's nudity and the sex scenes in the film. It, it's, it's always an a R-rated now. movie, yeah. first of all. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> Second of all, this used to be in every R-rated movie. Yeah. And it's not now, which is fine. But, you know, occasionally stories involve sex and nudity because that's what humans do in life. And people want to reflect that in art. This should not be shocking to anyone. <laughs> this is not sexual Q-shock assault. shock music. <laughs> people act like they're being assaulted now. That's what people say, that it's akin to that because they're not consenting to sing it. Yes, you are, because you bought a ticket. Nobody forced you to sit in front of this movie. And now, part of it is they not only put R, they list what's in the film. So if PG-13 for you, movies list what's yeah, in the film. I know. You, <laughs> shut up. It just reminds me of people going to see comedians and then heckle the whole time. Well, why are you there? I know. People are terrible. I didn't really realize that Oppenheimer was such a ladies' man. I know. Wow. (laughs) There is some controversy, and this is a little bit more justified because of how people feel about their own religions, but there is some controversy about the sex scene in the fact that they read out of that Hindu book. And apparently in India, this is a big thing already. People are flipping out about this in not a good way. Oh, no. But that's different than just being horrified that there's breasts in the film. <laughs> I did think it was weird that Oppenheimer, <laughs> after having sex with Florence Pugh, said, <laughs> I have become hard, destroyer of ass. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Florence Pugh is great in the film, too. She plays sort of a, a paramour of a younger Oppenheimer who he can't quite quit. And yeah. she can't quite commit to him, so he moves on, but they still kind of have their hooks in each other for a little while. Well, you certainly have been involved in those types of relationships in your I life. Mean, yeah, well, who yeah. has it, though? Totally, really? I know. You just sort of, whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a big to-do about nothing with the uh, with the sex scenes. Well, I think we just live in a climate right now where that's always going to be a storyline, until one day it just won't be. These things are cyclical. Yeah, I did see that there was some countries that had digitally added a dress when she's sitting yeah nude in the chair you can only Which see makes her you from wonder, the top up were the other scenes cut then i don't know huh. and is he still naked even though you can't see anything <laughs> hopefully <laughs> i don't know it's very bizarre but the film has done less business than barbie so far although shockingly the budget along. was lower <laughs> i know that's that's unbelievable Oppenheimer only cost $100 million. Wow. Barbie, $145. I don't even know how that's possible. I'm sure most of the actors took significant pay cuts to be in this film. The cast is deep. I'm sure they paid Murphy 
a lot yeah. f- compared to what he would usually get. But everybody else probably took a pay cut, I would imagine. I'm sure Matt Damon makes more money from other movies than this one if the budget's only $100 million. So far, it's done 180.4 worldwide, which is actually very good for a three-hour-long R-rated movie. Yeah. R-rated movies generally don't do as good of business. Not the most optimistic content. Yeah, it's a historical quasi-biopic. I don't really see that necessarily lighting the world on fire most of the time. Now, how did you feel about the visuals with the bomb and all that stuff. I guess they didn't use CGI. I don't know what they were using to replicate. Well, I did talk about. I, I did talk to Lindsay about that when I got home because it looked awesome, but it kind of looked underwhelming. Like it didn't look like that would destroy a city. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because people were comparing it to that episode of Twin, Twin Peaks, Peaks. Yeah, but Lynch was using computer graphics in that and there was none used in that i mean it looked cool and i love the practical effects so i'm not knocking it but just when you're thinking about it from (laughs) they actually detonated a nuclear bomb for this movie (laughs) los alamos destroyed (laughs) actually i think a nuclear bomb would probably cost more than a hundred million dollars i would assume (laughs) (laughs) the full budget (laughs) right so obviously i understand i'm not knocking it but it just it, it makes you think yeah, maybe they could have done a little bit more. I didn't really, I don't really care about no, that no, shit same that much. Here. And the overall experience of it, the way it was filmed, was super cool. Yeah, and it took a story that was kind of potentially dry and maybe a little boring. And by the end of it, you're really yeah. invested and you really want Emily Blunt to spit in that guy's face. Definitely. Why would that matter to me? But you're just kind of invested in that I moment. Know. You're like, how funny would that be? <laughs> I was so taken aback in a good way. Because watching her throughout the movie, she's just sort of there, not really bringing a lot to the story, but has multiple moments in the final act that are some of the best in the entire movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Rami Malek maybe only has a couple of lines for the first two hours and 50 minutes, and then all of a sudden he gets his big moment at the end, and that kind of happens for everybody who's in it. They sort of get their moment. Right. For the most part. Some of the lesser parts, maybe not, but... Yeah, there's a lot to go around. The acting's tr- tremendous. It looks great. And yeah, I can't say that as a subject matter I was going crazy, yeah. but it definitely was enjoyable. And I know. And it did elevate Nolan as a more, I don't know what to call him, like serious masterpiece director for me because whatever he's done, there's always been that a little bit of a Hollywood feel to it. Not like Memento, but the stuff since then. Like he yeah. makes big budget movies and they're usually darker, but they still feel like Hollywood movies. Even right. Dunkirk had a little bit of a Hollywood feel to it. And I thought that this one leaned a little bit more art house, even though it's $100 million. <laughs> I don't know that I would agree about Dunkirk, but I think that might be even more hard to crack than Oppenheimer in some ways. But okay. I, but I'm not a big war movie fan in general yeah revealing that on the pod i think people could probably tell we haven't really done a lot of war material (laughs) it's just not not really my thing yeah there's some war movies i like and some i don't but in terms of getting excited about it i've never really it's never really been my bag but yeah i mean i wish we would have gotten like a montage of oppie clapping communist cheeks (laughs) he uh just running through he he did well yeah (laughs) for a science nerd he really had a way with the ladies well, he just carried himself a certain way. Was Yeah, and I think that was the whole thing. Like He was 
not just a good scientist, he could kind of bridge that gap to politics. And I think they call him like a salesman at one point. Yeah. He was able to kind of be that guy. And you could tell from the rest of the crew that they didn't really have one of those guys. Yeah. And it does sort of maintain Oppenheimer as an enigma. Like, yeah, you learn a lot about him and yet he still kind of feels like a mystery. Just that some of the stuff that Robert Downey Jr.'s character says about him Mm -hmm. at the end without revealing too much. Right. I kind of thought, well, some of that stuff is probably kind of true. Yeah. It's probably accurate. He does seem like he orchestrates certain things to make himself either appear better or even maybe feel better for... Yeah. I'm not saying that his guilt over what happened was fake, but he knew how to... Yeah, I didn't think that. ...manipulate situations a certain way. Right. I think they play it in a way that he has a certain code. Like, there's moments where he could change his tune about something and he always stays true to himself yeah robert downey jr also great in the movie we didn't talk too much about it yeah so i believe downey role. jr and murphy will both be nominated yeah. is my guess and i would imagine that oppenheimer and nolan and all this stuff will be nominated for plenty of things as well i loved seeing that dude from blue ruin and green room as the lawyer yeah, I know. That was hilarious where he just like is so flustered. He's like, wait a minute. Let me read this. <laughs> I just got this letter right now. I'm trying to read it. <laughs> yeah, he was great. So yeah, my prediction moving forward is that I don't really know what to expect with whatever Gerwig's Narnia thing for Netflix is going to be, but irregardless, yeah. she's going to be a big deal. Sure. This is the biggest opening to a movie directed by a woman ever. Mm-hmm. It'd be Wonder Woman. This will probably end up being close to a billion dollar movie. This is going to be a huge movie, I think, unless it suddenly drops off at some point, which does happen. Yeah. But yeah, on pace for it. So I'm expecting Gerwig to be a big name for the next. a crazy ride. I I always liked her as an actress, but she kind of started off in this indie mumblecore world. She's in like House of the Devil as like a small role. Right. Yeah. You know, I always liked her and followed her, and then all of a sudden it just. When you see it take off for these people, it's kind of a cool thing to see, but it is wild. Yeah, it's sort of unexpected that it would have come this way. But it's the same thing for any up-and-coming director who's now getting a lot of buzz. It's a little disappointing now that she's going from Barbie, which is fine, because she put her own spin on Barbie. It it definitely is her version of a Barbie movie. But to then immediately go into another huge IP thing... Is kind of disappointing, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. The money is probably insane. I'm sure. I don't know what's up next for Nolan. I don't think he really commits to things that early, yeah. so we'll see. But for Nolan heads, this is right up there with oh, anything. Yeah. I don't know where I would rank it among his films. I've never really thought that hard about ranking his movies. Yeah. But Well, I walked out of there giving it a five-star, so for me it's up there with his other five-star movies, which he has a few. <laughs> Yeah, if you love Nolan, yeah. you will love this movie. If you're not a big Nolan fan, it might be hard to like it. The jumping around is disorienting for, for sure. people, and it is long. Those would be the only things I could see, but I would have a hard time imagining most people giving it anything less than a positive review. It's hard to imagine negative reviews, even if you're not I know, it's thinking har- it's, it's your just, favorite movie of all time. Or it's anything hard like that. to argue with the craftsmanship yeah. You can just tell the quality is there. Yeah. 
I think that Nolan's style, like some directors, does keep you at arm's length in terms of an emotional connection to For anything sure. that's yeah. happening in the movie. But he's always been like totally. That. <laughs> And some of us are attracted to a cold, emotionless world. Did you see that he commented on the end of Inception? No. He said that the point is that the character doesn't care anymore. Okay, yeah. Which Which I I think people kind of got. But arguing about whether or not he's in a dream anymore is pointless because he doesn't care. Right. That That seems obvious, but I guess people did fight over it. That part I got, but I thought the big debate, though, was does the top take a hard dive? Like it's going down or not. Because he walks away, right? Well, it it shudders. It's not yeah. a perfect spin. Right. And you don't know. It's, yeah. It does seem like it might stop, but I don't know. <laughs> That's the part I want to hear the comment about. Well, I don't think he's going to go that far yeah, with yeah. it. He's not David Richard Chase. Kelly. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, what did David Chase say I don't about think he's ever actually given it. No, yeah, I think he did kind of say that yeah. Tony was supposed to be dead. Uh-huh. I think. Didn't he kind of say that? I do think so. At some point. I was thinking more like Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko where oh, he starts gosh. over-explaining it. And you're kind of like, all right, now you're kind of ruining yeah. it. <laughs> a lot of people feel Talking that way. Talking about like the vortex. Anyway, check out Barbie and Oppenheimer in theaters now. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back with a listener request in a short bit. Got a lot of stuff coming up the rest of the year. Hit us up on email, greatestpod at gmail.com. If you'd like a free sticker, if you have a listener request, we can go through that negotiation, whatever you want to do. Tell a friend about the show. Let us know what you think. Give us some questions, comments, concerns about anything. If you see Barbie and or Oppenheimer, feel free to tweet us your thoughts, email, whatever. We'd like to know what you think about these two movies as well. Very interesting responses to Barbie. Seems like Oppenheimer, pretty straightforward with some fuddy-duddies making their usual fun-ruining points. (laughs) I'm just happy that we're keeping a a once-a-year pace now that the theaters aren't dead. (laughs) It was the busiest we had seen a theater in a long time. It felt like a comeback. Leaving that parking lot, I was saying to Lindsay, this is the busiest I've seen this lot. I don't know. In certainly at least five years, probably yeah. longer. It wasn't even that busy for Top Gun Maverick. I think it was yeah, a combination of two I didn't see Top movies. Gun Maverick opening weekend, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. Okay. There have been some superhero weekends that were pretty crazy. Yeah. But we were not there for those That's movies, true. so we were yeah. sort of like oblivious. To right, you're right, on. you're right. Yeah. It's, it's certainly the busiest I've seen that lot. I think we hit, hit everything else. Letterboxd, Zach1983, Matt Crosby on there. If you follow us from the show, let us know either via email or a comment or something so we can make sure to follow you back on Letterboxd. Anything else, we'll cover it in the regular episode coming up soon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried. Oh, oh, I... I have feelings that I can't explain Driving me insane All my life been so polite Cause I'm just kidding Anywhere else I'd be dead Is it my destiny to live and die A life of blonde fragility Friend. What will it take for her to see?
wrote in Margot Robbie, and before I finished writing Robbie, Margot Robbie feet came up, <laughs> and I was like, Margot Robbie feet? That's weird. And I clicked on it and realized that there was, you know, like pictures zoomed in on my feet and people writing about, you know, and like someone had compart like made a video compilation of footage of my feet. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like a, a thing I didn't realize. And then since then I've, you know, been lucky to be in some iconic films, but there's been some, you know, shots of my feet, which I think has only encouraged this notion. And I have to say, I'm really flattered that people uh, are excited about my feet. I think that's lovely. Yeah.